Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Greetings, salutations, and hello to all of my unlucky lounge rats, my listeners, joining us for a nice, casual midweek episode of Draft and Draft. My name is Corey, your limited lore master, Denizen of the Unlucky Lounge. Joining us, as always, is the best bear tender this side of the blind eternities, the 2-2 that's always there for you on turn two. His name is Borok. Yeah, we decided to do a little short extra drop in the week to resolve a few things, but to get to those things, first let's go through the housekeeping. As always, this podcast is brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Check them out, bleav.com or wherever you download your audio goodness. Find us on socials, on Twitter, Draft and Draft Corey, on Instagram, Corey Demone Enriquez, or if these shows are giving you some joy, check out our Patreon, patreon.com backslash draft and draft for bonus content for early access and for just a whole lot of magic fun help us continue to grow the community and keep the lights on in the unlucky lounge well friends that's enough of the housekeeping the sorcerer's room was put back into the conjurer's closet and as i said we got a number of things that i feel are important for us to get to Not only do we have our game show, Quizzical with Listicles, from last week that we have yet to resolve on air, which will happen today, but let's face it, we're in the middle of flashback draft season on Magic Arena. That's right, my friends. We are getting a sequence of solid, limited formats replaying themselves out on Magic Arena, and this was the week where we went back to the wonderful plane of Eldraine. And for those of you who've listened in for quite some time, you should know that I love Throne of Eldraine. And I certainly have been digging deep into this limited format in the last week, taking away a few trophies already and having a great time with that monocolor technology built into the set. So we're going to do a live draft similar to a Friday night podcast but just in a casual sense to play out some Eldraine, because quite frankly, by the time you hear this episode, there's probably like 24 hours left of drafting Eldraine. So there's not a lot of value to take out of this limited format, except for maybe, you know, sometime in February when we'll probably get the flashback draft one final time. (laughs) It's only here to draft together here in the audio sense, have some fun. And while we draft, we're gonna go through our quizzical with listicles list giving those answers to see how you did, whether or not you submitted the survey answers. Maybe you just listened in and had some fun with that. But regardless, we're going to go through those top five artifact uncommon build-around cards in Limited from the Pioneer era. But before this draft fires, let's take that second to celebrate all of you, my listeners. Grab that drink, that snack that pat on the back. I want y'all to join me in our tradition of the untapped step. Yeah, that's right, Borok. It's a midday cheers for all of our friends out there. Pick one, pack one in our Throne of Eldraine flashback draft, the rarest Torbran. And Torbran is a house. It gives us a good motivation to try and go into mono red, or at least heavily favoring red. 
there's also an Inspiring Veteran and a Venerable Knight. Both cards I like quite a lot, especially in the Knight payoffs. Uh, besides that, there's not a lot of removal. There's a Flutter Fox. The other uncommon is Flaxen Intruder, the Goldilocks variant, which is not a very impressive card to me. So I'm going to take the Torbrand and see if we can really push into red, get some solid red removal, which there is, between Scorching Dragonfire and Searing Barrage, and see if we can make some kind of mono-red plan happen. If not, we can try to just favor off of red into another color. Pick two, pack two. There's a Falmire Knight. There's a Mysterious Pathlighter, which this early is not bad to see. Uh, the only red cards are Barge Inn and Embereth Paladin. So not exactly the best. However, there is a Ginger Brute. Ginger Brute is nice. It doesn't really work well. Ugh, I mean, it, I guess it could. But the problem is it's not even a red source, so it doesn't work with Torbrand. At this moment, I'm more in favor to take a Mysterious Pathlighter. I think... With modern limited formats, since the playables are so deep, it's best for you to take high synergy cards in the early picks and then play into it. If it gets there, great. If not, not that big a deal because you're going to find playables. And that's true even all the way back to Throne of Eldraine and to some extent War of the Spark as well. Pick three, pack one. Oof. We see a handful of pretty solid cards here. Steel Claw Lance is really nice. Uh, it's decent enough with the Torbrand. There's a Sorcerer's Broom. There's a Scorching Dragonfire uh, to speak of in the pack that are probably the strongest cards. I'm going to lean into the Scorching Dragonfire. Let's get some removal. Even if we end up with a red-white deck, we want to make sure we have spot removal to get things going. Steel Call Lance is great, but, I mean, without even having any knights at this moment, it's not a card I want to pick up. And also, this is an example of a card that I think uh, can go relatively late because it just is such a specific synergy type card. So we'll go with that and move from there. Pick four, uh, I really like a Merchant of the Veil. Granted, this is a card that tables around enough that you could probably pick it up late. It is a house of a card. There's also an Elite Headhunter, which is the four Rakdos hybrid mana 2-3 human knight. It has Menace, and then you can sack another creature for three, and it deals two damage to a creature of Planeswalker. This card is fine. It's fine when you're in the black-red deck, even in Mono Red, it gets you that additional push. It's a knight, so it's a relevant creature type. I think I'm going to lean into Merchant of the Veil. It does work nicely with the Mysterious Pathlighter. The filtering that it does is not to be understated, and I'm happy to take that card going into pick five, pack one. There's a Burning Yard Trader. The 3-3 three, three Trample Haste that gives another knight you control, plus two, plus two, and trample. It's a solid card. I do like Embreath Paladin more in a Mono Red leaning deck. However, there is a Flutter Fox. It's probably the best of the red-white cards in this pack. I'm willing to go with a Flutter Fox for now. Again, I would love to go into Mono Red or continue to push into Mono Red. There's an Ogre Errant, and like I said, Emberth Paladin. I think actually, the more I think about trying to go into this Mono Red plan, we should just lean into it. We shouldn't half go it, we should fully go it. That being true, I think taking a card like... Uh, I'm going to go with the Ogre Aaron for now. It's... We're going to find, I think, a, a fairly large number of knights. So I'd rather just take it. Second Merchant of the Veil for pick six, pack one. Uh, yeah, the, the red signals are, are kind of iffy, Borok. <laughs> yeah, we do have a Mysterious Pathlighter to try and get us out of it. We have the Torbrand. We don't have to focus on it. We could go into red-white knights at this moment. Uh, although the only knight we have is Ogre Errant. We could potentially move into blue red draw two if we can find say 
an improbable alliance or some other draw to payoffs like Fairy Vandal. Uh, and it works nicely with the double Merchant of the Velvet we're going to have here. So there is a chance that this draft could come around. Ooh, pick seven, pack one. We see a Rim Rock Knight. Rim Rock Knight is the gas. I love this card. It has adventure. If we don't end up going fully Torbran, it's still nice with the Mysterious Pathlighter. Really good pick seven out of the pack. But as I said earlier in this podcast, we are going to be going through the Quizzicals with Listicles list. So at this moment, spoilers for anyone who has not yet listened to episode 35. Uh, We did a top five list, kind of mixed with trivia. And while the sweepstakes is over, you can still go back and listen to episode 35. Give the list a play and see if you can identify the uncommon artifact payoffs that are my favorite from the modern era. Pick eight, pack one. We see a brimstone trebuchet as the only notable card the other thing is an all that glitters this card has slowly raised up in the lifetime of eldraine in that uh if you're in blue white in particular it really can make a creature uh completely unblockable it's quite good pick nine pack one nothing really of note there's a smitten swordmaster it is a knight we'll take it giving ourselves some outs to potentially uh go into a second color if we need to or just like Hint at a second color. Well, pick 10, pack 1 is now kind of one of those moments where we have to choose. Uh, The upside of being mono-red, I think, right now is going to push through my choice here. There's still a solid number of cards. Garenbrick Carver, Cannon's Transformation, Malevolent Noble, but the power of being mono-red is going to lead me to taking this barge in. Uh, It is a trick. It helps us out. Oh, the Steel Claw Lance Tabled. Wow. Very happy I took that Smitten Swordmaster. We're going to pick that up, and I think we're going to start to lean into Knights. The Elite Headhunter as well, tabled. Wow, and so did the Amberth Paladin. So, I think these signals in pack 1 are clearly giving us the red-black feels to go into a solid Knight build, so I'm pretty happy with where that went. That leads us straight into pick 1 of pack 2. The Uncommons, Heraldic Banner, Giant Opportunity. Uh, The card we're going to end up taking is the third of the Uncommons, Order of Midnight amazing card it's a knight it's got value built into the adventure side of graveyard returning a creature the rare is emery lurker of the lock i do like emery in this format the other cards of note are wicked guardian and seven dwarfs probably not going to want to play either of those cards even if i table them we might take the heraldic banner and play it if it tables but i'd prefer not to if given a choice so let's go to go through this top five list, the Quizzical with Listicles. Going back to number five, it's the card that came out when I was the Crew Activities Manager. Uh, it's a utility knife of an artifact that allows you to play out your creatures quickly, but also rewards you for doing so. And then you had the sound of the clock, which was resonant to a Captain Hook iconic antagonist. I felt very clever coming up with this, having my Disney Cruise Line experience. Uh, well, the crocodile is quite synonymous with another notable villain, not just being Peter Pan, but TikTok Croc. We're thinking about that crocodile life, and if we think about magic and crocodiles, you have to go to the plane of Amonkhet. And who's the big boy crocodile man in that set? It's the god Bantu. And the uncommon artifact build around being for number five, Bantu's Monument. We talked about this card quite a bit when we had Amonkhet remastered. 
and I really enjoyed playing that card, especially when you had a number of Wall of Forgotten Pharaohs and you're doing this direct damage thing. It was fun. Pick two, pack two. We're going to go with a Brimstone Trebuchet back in our Throne of Eldraine draft. Going to pick three of pack two. There is uh, a bunch of uncommons that are quite good. Uh, in blue, Folio Fancy is being the rare that's good. There is an, an Animating Fairy. There's also a Turn Into a Pumpkin. There's still a Resolute Rider in this pack, which is nice, but our pick comes down to Smitten Swordmaster or Bake Into a Pie. There's also a Foreboding Fruit, but there's no universe in which we don't take this Bake Into a Pie. Great removal card. We might table the Smitten Swordmaster the way that this draft has been going. And then we can start to go to some serious black, red, knight stuff going on. Kind of excited for the way this deck is turning out. Pick four. Pack two. There is not a lot in the uncommon slot. There's two white cards. Uh, there is a venerable knight. Sorry, I misspoke. Not two uncommon cards. There's Lyndon the Steadfast Queen. I thought it was Sir Allen for some reason. No. Uh, but for us, the black is shining. The seven dwarfs is still in the pack. Uh, there is Forever Young, Malevolent Noble, and Barrow Witches. I like all of these cards. Um, Malevolent Noble is nice. Given a choice, we want to stick with Knights or Red cards, which leads me to a Forever Young as the pick here. If only for the fact that I think every black deck wants at least one Forever Young, with some number of Merfolk Seeker Keepers uh, making their presence in the format. A lot less so than it used to be when it was bot drafting, but still, it's good as a utility card to pay off for us. Uh, pick two, pack five. There's literally nothing in the pack here, so I'm going to take this Iron Crack feat, if only for gems. There's a Silver Flame Squire. We could take a Memory Theft, I suppose. It's probably better just to shore up the playables. For now, I'll take the Memory Theft. Yeah, I, I know, like... Whatever, I could try to start gem drafting, but I'd prefer to try to put something together solid for all of my listeners. Pick six, pack two, kind of a payoff. Bell of the Brawl. I do love Bell of the Brawl. Great card. Uh, three, two minutes that when it attacks other knights control, get plus one, plus oh. That's where we want to go, and it has evasion. It's great. Uh, let's go back to Quizzical with Listicles, number four on the list. It is a card that has a cost reduction and recursion trigger built into the game's text. It has some nice symmetry in that its power toughness and cost are all the same number so it's got this ha ah, kind of feel to it uh and the week before this card graced the battlefield one of my more recent favorite songs released in a movie soundtrack sunflower by post malone made it to the top slot of the billboard hot 100 list yes my boomer showing by referring to the Billboard Hot 100 list. This, of course, comes from Ravnica Allegiance. It's Gate Colossus. Pick seven, pack two. We're going to end up not getting much of Lockpoint Paladin. We'll take it. Uh, prefer not to play it. Man, there is no red cards coming here. What a sad state of affairs. In pick eight, pack two, not much to do. We're going to take this Knight of the Keep. Man, there's literally nothing in this pack. I am surprised. I didn't think I was sending any amount of red signals to the person on my left. But those are how the bones roll. Curious Pair goes into our deck. Uh, there's a Giant Skewer. It's another Kenworth Transformation tabling around. I, I think I like Kenworth's Transformation. We're going to take a Giant Skewer. We could take a Fling. 
Ugh, I just don't like fling when we're not doing the fling thing. Ooh, we did table the Forbidden Fruit, which is nice. Uh, I think this deck is actually kind of backdooring into a little bit of black, red, knight value. There's a lot of direct damage with double brimstone trebuchet. We'll take the barrel witches here. Nice way to kind of graveyard recur some more value out of what's going on. So it, we have a decent amount of removal going into pick one of pack three. So we want to start to figure out uh, whether or not we want to be more red-black control knights or red-black aggressive knights and then kind of go from there. Well, I think pick one of pack three kind of tells that story because we see a bake into a pie uh, in this pack. Besides that, there's a claim the firstborn, which is not a card I favor particularly well in limited. I mean, you could potentially play it if you have Witch's Oven. I don't want to play Flings in any deck at all, really. Uh, there is a number of sacrifice outlets, but we didn't even table a Malevolent Noble, nor do we table the second Smitten Swordmaster, now that I think about it. Bacon to Pie is not close to the best card in the pack uh, for our deck, and this is where I'm going to start to see if I can make some more red-black big control payoffs, which is why I'm going to take the Sorcerer's Broom. We have an Elite Hen Hunter for a sack outlet. We have uh, at least two different ways to make food tokens, and... I mean, listeners, let's be real. Y'all know that I love me some Sorcerer's Broom. Don't worry, we'll get to that in just a second. Pick three, pack three. We see a Forever Young, a Lost Legion, Emberth Paladin, Ogre Errant. Oh, there's the Improbable Alliance. Blue-Red is uh, draw two is not the greatest in this format, though it looks quite good. Unfortunately, it just relies too heavy on uncommon payoffs for it to really come together. We're going to end up taking this Burning Yard Trainer. We don't have a large number of knights, unfortunately. I'm hoping that we can squeak out an additional knight or two going into the rest of pack three here, and then we can make it a little bit more of a payoff. Let's talk about the third card on the list. This is a card that hasn't been out very long. We're not going to play a lot of paper of it. Uh, it has a similar putting your opponent on a clock kind of effect that uh, the Bantu's Monument had, and it is a colorless artifact, however... It truthfully does have quite a bit of, hey, I'm colorless, but I'm actually two colors, hiddenly, surprise, kind of thing going on to it. It's a recent card. I'm sure many of my listeners have played with it and against it. In Zendikar Rising, it is part of the Relic Cycle. It's Relic Vile, the cleric-based relic. It drains your opponent. You can tap it and sacrifice a creature to draw a card. Great engine payoff for those who are playing clerics. Has some versatility. Typically, though, it's a black-white card. You can maybe find a place for it in both blue-white and red-black, but it really does put you on a particular route. And these routes and kind of the lane drafting that seems to be subtle in Zenikar Rising is one of multiple conclusions that I want to draw to when we wrap up and say goodbye to Zendikar Rising, which we will do in an episode or two, especially since we have a lot of flashbacks and... Kaladesh Remastered coming down the arena pipeline. So tune in as we wrap up some cool things, but we got some more to do right now. Pick four and pack three, we'll take an Ogre Errant out of a relatively shallow pack. We're just scooping up any knights we can to make a go of it. Pick five, pack three. Wow. Generous Gift, Improbable Alliance, Savvy Hunter, and Lovestruck Beast are all in the pack. Oh man, this is just... Wow, I'm I am shocked. There's double improbable alliance going around. We'll uh 
we'll take this Savvy Hunter. There's really nothing else in the pack for us. Uh, pick six, pack three, we'll take an Emberth Paladin. Again, going for any knights we can. Get those knight payoffs. They are important to us. By the way, shout out to Synergy Theory from Lords of Limited, an episode they just put out recently. It's a great episode. Really wonderful insights in the world of Limited. Like, kudos, guys. I really appreciated what you put together there. Pick seven, pack three. Uh, Fierce Witch Hunter, Seven Dwarfs, Wicked Guardian are the cards that really stand out to me here in this pack. Uh, I guess I'll take... Ugh, this is just another garbage kind of pack. We'll take a Wicked Guardian. I think we are starting to get a little bit more towards the controlling side of things. Hey, there's a second Smitten Swordmaster. That's nice. We have some amount of recursion out of the graveyard, so that actually isn't the worst thing in the world to find. Raging Redcap, pick nine, pack three. And I think it's about time, yep, to call me a trash man because it is the time in the pack that we like to call garbage time. Oh, but there is a, another Barrow Witches in this pack. Eh, that's not a bad pickup for me in the late. This deck will be interesting in that I have to figure out if this is going to be better as a control build or an aggressive build. There's going to be a few of the 20 through 23 cards that are going to be defined by the exact plan I want to make. Not gonna lie, the double Brimstone Trebuchet alongside Torbrand gets me kind of excited, folks. Tap, deal three, untap it, play a knight. Feels good, man. Feels good. But we're gonna take a second to process this deck. Take it all in. Feel all the halogens warming our skin. Yes, Brock, that is correct. I set myself up for a Legally Blonde the Musical reference and paid off with my own knowledge set. Sometimes you gotta be your own person to set up a reference and hit it out of the ballpark. Anyway, processing the deck, we'll be back in a second, and we'll finish up our top two answers for Quizzical with Listicles. Stick around. Greetings and welcome back, my unlucky lounge rats. I hope you had a good break. Let's jump into this black-red deck that we put together in Throne of Eldraine. I don't know, Borak. It just seems to happen that we're being put into black-red quite frequently, be it Eldraine or Zendikar Rising. It seems like a trend, and I don't know if you heard this, but the newest hot take is that removal is overrated. I know, crazy, right? I'd say it actually equates back to a point that I made before. High synergy cards tend to be more important in contemporary limited environments because you want to plan over anything else you could possibly be doing. I agree with that idea, but still, low-costing removal is so important. I mean, look at Corset 2021. There's a reason why Scorching Dragonfire was just the absolute goat. Anyway, that's beside the point. Let's talk about this black-red deck we put together. It is kind of skirting the line between aggressive and controlling. Double bake into a pie, Scorching Dragon Fire. Uh, a Memory Theft uh, is a nice removal package. Not great, but enough to get us going. The highlight to me is having a large number of knights, 16, along with double Brimstone Trebuchet. And along with that, if we can ever put that together with Torbrand, that's the nuts. I want to do that so badly. And the fact that we have all of these knights and 
some smitten sword masters, two of them, that goes well with Order of Midnight, Barrow Witches, Forever Young to loop back some value. I just need to think with a deck like this, with what's been passed to us, what was opened in this draft, that we don't need to go out of the gates racing because our deck actually has a pretty decent late game. We can survive past the early and get through some direct damage, but Borak, I want more than anything to have Torbrand on the battlefield, cast a knight, untap Brimstone Trebuchet, and dome them in the face for six. We can live and dream big, my man. This is a podcast. We can do that. Draft is queued up. Captain Carney playing against. This hand, quite serviceable. Rimrock Knight, Merchant of the Vale, Elite Headhunter, and a Bacon to a Pie, two mountains and a swamp. A solid keep uh, going into this game. We will probably run out that Rimrock Knight on turn two. Not worry about trying to get max value out of that adventure and be pretty happy about it. Yes, good. Thank you for reminding me, Borak. Uh, let's talk about the other two cards on the list for Quizzical with Listicles. We last left off with Relic Vial being my third favorite uncommon artifact build-around from the Pioneer era. Number two is one that motivated me to do this whole game in the first place. It costs two. It brings me back to one of my favorite Grand Prix experiences. That is Milwaukee 2016. We honed in on a date and place, which for those of you who remember those good old times of 2016, you might recall a little set known as Kaladesh. That's right, friends. This is an uncommon artifact from Kaladesh. It's part of the module cycle. There's three modules in total, one of which was rare, animation module, two of which were uncommon. Uh, one was fabrication module, but the one that is number two in my slot is decoction module. Oh, what a great card. We rolled up Rimrock Knight on turn two. It got Reeve sold. We drew an additional mountain, so we have mana to be able to cast the Torbrand, and with Merchant of the Vale going into Elite Headhunter and Ogre Errant, we're going to make this at least a little bit of a game. In any case, the decoction module kind of inspired me to make this episode because, like I said earlier, we're going back to Kaladesh and learning how to use a card like decoction module. Gaining the extra resource of energy really provided a whole new sense of looking at draft and sealed, and it was phenomenal. I mean, heck, I took 10th at a GP from navigating this format. You know I adore this. It is a wonderful format, and I look forward to people who haven't had a chance to draft it to get that chance coming up soon. And do not sleep on a card like Decoction Module. It's phenomenal. Ogre Errant, 3-4 for 4, enters the battlefield. We have a Lost Legion on our opponent's board. With Merchant of the Vale, they play their own Brimstone Trebuchet. Okay, looks like we've got ourselves what one might call a mirror match. I am going to call an opportunity to win. For Boating Fruit, uh, we drew. Uh, we have an Ogre Errant. Now the question is, am I willing to trade my Ogre Errant for either of their cards? And I don't know. It is a question to ask. Uh, what I want to do is draw the second black so I can start to deploy my hand. But I think what I'm going to do is just play out the Elite Headhunter and start to establish a board. I think I can do a little bit better. And I really want to play a, a Menace Attack or a Double Block into Bacon to a Pie. That could, I think, be some really good 
value for our deck. And like I said before, our deck doesn't need to worry about being too aggressive. We can lean more towards the controlling side. Decoction module. Back to that. Two colorless. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under control, you gain an energy. Four, tap it, return target creature to its owner's hand. This is just an absolute joy to play. And I hope that people who haven't had a chance to play this set yet do it. Also, decoction is actually the process in which tea is made, or coffee. It's the distillation process. Pretty neat, right? I found that very interesting when I ran across that fun fact. They run out an Emberth Paladin without Adamant, so they'd have a 4-1. They have their Brimstone Trebuchet, Lost Legion. We've got time, we've got space, I'm feeling good, and we just drew bacon to a pie. Man, we're going to get them all over the place here. So now the question is, I attack with this Ogre Errant, and they double block, we can probably blow up one of their creatures. So do we just tap and go aggressive? And I think the answer is yes. We're going to be aggressive while also being conservative. We have a mountain in hand to discard to Merchant the Veil to get some more value in the long run. I like where things are going here. So we'll attack with our 2-3 Menace and our 3-4 Knights. Let them make their choices, and then hopefully this bake into a pie is going to give us some uh, some nice equity in the long term. Even if they block with their Embrith Paladin to our Ogre Errant, I'm actually, I think, pretty okay with that. We can still forward our plan by casting Forboding Fruit in the second main, and still continue to develop what we want to do for the rest of the game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that result. We can still block with the Merchant of the Veil, and... Now we've got five lands and four cards in hand. They have four cards, five lands. Yeah, I think this is going pretty well. Yes, I will target myself with Forboding Fruit. Friends, you haven't lived if you have not cast Forboding Fruit on your opponent and killed them for the last two bits of life. Well, as our Forboding Fruit resolves and we draw a Burning Yard Trainer and a Raging Red Cap, that's not too bad. Still having a bake into a pie in our hand for a little extra How's Your Mother feels pretty good here. Ooh, Reaper of the Night is going to make us discard two cards. So it's going to be the Mountain, and yeah, I think we're going to discard this Raging Red Cap. The Red Cap is nice, uh, but next turn we're now going to be able to cast our Burning Yard Trainer, attack with Elite Headhunter, and the Burning Yard Trainer, get through some damage. Sweet. I'm down. I am down. Perfection. And we drew a Scorching Dragonfire, so now we got Bake into a Pie plus Scorching Dragonfire to take care of their board state. Nice. Feels good, man. Feels good. I wish I could attack with this Merchant of the Veil as well, but they'd be able to double block and kill it, and I actually think that's going to be a nice piece to our game plan in the long run. So we're attacking with a 4-5 and a 3-3. If they want to double block and trade our Burning Yard Trainer for what I'm going to guess is... I'm going to put their Brimstone Trebuchet first. It is annoying, and it could deal some damage to kill us. So, uh, we've got two through five established. Perfect. They take seven. We still have a source of direct damage with Elite Headhunter. They have to be worried about eventually. Two through five established with Quizzicals for Listicles. But what's my number one? Well, we mention it all the time, and it kind of leads into this flashback draft episode. It is when we're done with that housekeeping... We put the Sorcerer's Broom back into the Conjurer's Closet. Friends, Sorcerer's Broom is my favorite uncommon artifact build-around from the Pioneer Limited days. It just is so unique and accesses a complete sect of cards that are in Throne of Eldraine. 
that don't get necessarily the credit that they deserve. Ooh, we drew our second bacon to a pie. That's, I really feel like I'm like, ooh, look, piece of candy. That was a sweet piece of candy. But I just feel like often a card like Sorcerer's Broom just kind of goes by the wayside. We'll attack with everything and then we'll Scorch and Dragon Fire, whatever they want to try to do. If they want to double block me and still Scorch and Dragon Fire or break into a pie. Feels good. I'll probably actually bake into a pie first just to be more mana efficient. Even though it does say destroy target creature, and we could probably get something big out of it. The fact that they are kind of stalled on four lands right now, even though they pass with lands untapped, I still feel pretty good about this attack. So, okay, so they're gonna block two creatures as long as they get through for three. Nope, they're taking it back. Anyway, Sorcerer's Broom, my number one card. I adore it. I think it's phenomenal. With things like Malevolent Noble, Elite Headhunter, if you end up being that deck that can do that. And just a slew of other really nice cards makes this my favorite limited build around. The replicating aspect of it is just a, such a unique thing that I haven't felt since I got to cast, say, a pack rat. Ooh, they tried to Rimrock Knight their Lost Legion. They are going to get punished for that. And this is where I am going to bake into a pie. They have three black open. However, if they have a Thorn of Lashes to get the extra toughness to survive the... Scorching Dragon Fire, then we don't get to blow them out as much with this Rimrock Knight. Because now, uh, even though they try to adventure it onto the creature, we just now get to straight up get them. Plus, the trample on the Burning Yard Trader gets to go through their face. They're at six. So, all we have to do is just keep attacking, using our Bacon to a Pie and Scorching Dragon Fire. This game should be just about locked up. And if we draw any land, we get to cast both removal spells in our next turn and just go to town go to the face town. They cast Barrow Witches. They're going to get back there. I'm guessing Lost Legion. Don't much mind that. Unless they get... They can't get back there, Rimrock Knight. You're too far behind. They're at 6. We're at 14. We're putting a lot of damage on. Oh, they got their Embereth Paladin instead. I don't know. That feels really expensive to do. Alright. Our turn comes. We're going to bake into a pie. The 3-4. Swing for a bunch of damage. And put them... So far behind, they have to next turn kill the Elite Headhunter. Otherwise, we get to sacrifice and deal the last two points of damage using one of our food tokens. So good. Oh, and that's another reason why Sorcerer's Broom is so sweet. You sacrifice things like food tokens just to gain life, and you get a trigger to activate and make another Sorcerer's Broom just continue to perpetuate the growth. And if you're in a deck where you can finagle getting that extra mana in some way, shape, or form, be it in a green base deck, or just be it sometimes flooding out, or in the ever so awesome blue-black control deck in Throne of Eldraine, this card can go ham. And single-handedly, with a card that tables around, in the fact that this card does not, on its face, represent one of the major mechanics in the set, it shines for me. It shines, it's lovely, I adore that card. They play out Emberth Paladin, Weaselback Redcap, they're going to be able to deal 3 damage with the trebuchet, putting us at 10, they could attack for 4, but this is going to seal it up. Oh, we just drew the Torbran. Oh, just for the lulls, but we are not going to mess around. We're just going to activate this Elite Headhunter, which is... Oh, wait. Oh. Yeah, well, it actually doesn't deal it in the face. I I mistook that. This is why you should read the cards, friends. But we are going to kill the Emberth Paladin by sacrificing a food token, which should allow us, along with the Menace, get through the last point of damage and close up this game with a victory 
for all of you, my unlucky lounge rats. We've had a drought, but Black Red coming in with a sweet, sweet build that allows us to both go aggressive and get direct damage through. One of my favorite things, ending up with the big W here in our Throne of Eldraine flashback. Well, my lucky lounge rats, thanks for tuning in to this flashback draft, and thank you to everyone who listened in to Quizzical with Listicles and used that Google quiz sheet to participate in the event. The awards have been given out to the respective people, and it was a joy to bring to you a little mix of my non-magic life combined with my playing of Magic the Gathering. And I hope to do more of these things in the future. And to support that, all you have to do is listen in, find us on socials, look up our Patreon, patreon.com backslash draft and draft, help out where you can, most importantly, listen, enjoy, it will always be free, and just being here and tuning in truly means a lot to me. Thank you once more for your time, and thank you for coming into the bar so we can celebrate the game we love and celebrate all of you at the same time. Well, I don't know about you, but I've found the bottom of my drink, and so we've reached the end of this mini-episode. My name is Corey, joined alongside Borok. <laughs> and this is Draft and Draft. Now go out there and make some magical memories of your own. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.